Hey, and welcome back to another uh, Atlanta Communities podcast. I am Bill Seller, along with Sean Graves. Good afternoon. Carolyn is here with us as well, Carolyn Hutton. Hello, everybody. And uh, today we're going to be talking with uh, Christian Ross from Camilla Brandon. How are you? Good. Thank you, Bill. Good to see you again. And the reason we asked you to come in today is because it's the beginning of the year and uh, there's always changes to the forms that we use. We just wanted to go over some of those changes and the, the bigger things to be aware of. Absolutely. And these forms are applicable as of January 1st, 2019. The biggest thing you were saying was probably the numbers have changed. If people like, it's funny, I, I can't remember the numbers, so I'm always typing in what I think the name of the form is when I'm searching <laughs> for it, because I can never remember the numbers, but. I get used to the numbers, but they, so they really threw me on this one. But what they did try to do was simplify where you can find things. So in the, to the extent you always do purchase and sales, um, you're gonna look at the 200s. That's where all those agreements and things pertaining to that are gonna be. Um, all the disclosures are going to be in the 300s, financing in the 400s, um, you know, contingency exhibits in the 600s, and so on and so forth. So I think it's clearer. It's a little more organized that way. That's now. right. The, and the other, the, the next big thing on there is the counter offer uh, to or the modification of unaccepted original offers. Um, and maybe this is a silly change, but they found it necessary to require you to put NC where there's no changes. And that's instead of not applicable or NA. Okay. Um, and that's just a, a rational thing that makes sense. And you can always leave it blank. Doesn't the form say if, if there's nothing there, then the previous holds? That's right, Bill. If yeah. you leave it blank, the previous uh, purchase and sale agreement, the original purchase sale agreement is what uh, is controlling. <laughs> I got something right. I mean, actually, <laughs> what's funny about that, we've talked about this oh, so many times in the past is that People question now: Does the offer need to be signed and the counter offer? And here, of course, you pointed out which is what. Well, so you don't have to sign the original offer, the original purchase and sale agreement. However, I have a suggestion: If the other side is requiring that you do it, or your broker is requiring you sign both the counter offer and the original offer, make sure you use a conforming or clean copy of the contract, and that's an allowance in the contract. I would suggest you look at special step 622, which says in the event you made a mistake doing the clean copy, um, that the original agreement would apply. But you know the requirement is you just sign the counter offer. All right. The third thing I wanted to point out was the uh, seller's property disclosure statement. Um, language was added addressing damage to the items that are to remain to the, at the property. So an example, refrigerator stops working during your contract term. Um, it says in here, no such item shall be removed from the property unless it is broken or destroyed. In such an event, it shall be replaced with a substantially identical item, um, if reasonably available. If not reasonably available, it shall be replaced with a substantially similar item of equal quality and value. This is probably what was happening anyways in these cases, but they wanted to make sure it was put in the contract. I have actually never heard of substantially similar. Substantially similar. What, what do we mean by substantially similar versus just saying similar? You want something that maybe matches the other appliances. So in my example, the refrigerator breaks. You can't get the one because it's five years old. Get one that's three years old that's you know for sale on the floor but matches the other appliances. As close to it as possible. Yeah, you wouldn't want to put a white refrigerator where everything else is stainless steel. And okay. I think that's, that's what the intention of this is. Or a French door versus traditional door. And okay. It Very just good. sounds like that's protecting the buyers a little bit. I think it just clarifies, mm -hmm. you know, one of the things I always point to is you want to have the conversation up front. 
So that's what this contract is requiring. It's saying, let's talk about this. If the refrigerator breaks, I'm going to replace it with something substantially similar. I think that's important for everybody to be on the same page. Very good. The next part that I wanted to point out in this seller disclosure is in the past, as you probably remember, the contract always asked for broom swept condition, um, you know, as far as how you're going to leave the property to the new buyer. They've changed that and they say, um, at the time of possession, seller shall deliver the property clean and free, free of trash, debris, and personal property of the seller not identified as remaining with the property. Just clarifying what is required and what broom swept condition may have meant in the past. I okay. don't think it changed a whole lot, but just was cl it's a clarity issue. It's amazing what people leave behind yeah. when they move out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> Extra boxes and sometimes furniture and things of that nature. Cats. <laughs> Pets, yeah. Pets, that kind of thing. You're going to want to disclose that or, or, or catch that on a final walkthrough. Right. You know, if you close and then you realize the cat's still there, you're not, you know, <laughs> gonna want to go sue the seller because they left their cat. You just you know yeah. catch. Them well, in Carolyn's way. case, she would leave cats. I think she got thirteen cats or something uh, like that. Sure, <laughs> not not a cat. Carolyn, the cat lady. <laughs> well, <laughs> well <laughs> the community association form is next, and that may say that you're not allowed to have thirteen. Cats. <laughs> <laughs> um, they did. They did change this form. Now, if you remember, they made a drastic change to this form about a year ago in how they disclose fees for the community associations. That's both HOA and condo association. What they've done now is they've clarified where maybe you didn't call the fee the right thing. So for example, you called it um, you know, an initiation fee and the association calls it a setup fee or something similar like that. This says as long as the fee is disclosed and the amount is correct, that amount has been properly disclosed to a buyer. Again, that's probably what was happening in the past, but they noticed that this was an issue that kept coming up. And of course, the biggest issue is they're all too expensive. But that's just my opinion. So. Well, and, and the way I always think about it is this is just the cost, right? right. Um, this is what all the neighbors pay in that community or that condo, condo association. And if you want to sell your house, those are the fees you have to pay. Right. Um, I try not to get too, uh, you know, upset. Or uh, I mean, you, you, well, you can't. It is what it is. But I think I was referring more to the uh, the, the letter fee. Mm. You know, closing letter. Yeah, the closing. The, topic. Yeah. Well, they haven't changed that part <laughs> yet. Um, the next thing I wanted to talk about was they did make a pretty substantial change to the conventional loan contingency form. Now, this is a form that um, you use anytime you're getting a conventional loan. And it's what they did is they added a repair requirement with a dollar amount. So it says in there, any repairs required by lender to be completed and paid for by blank, and you would put one of the parties, prior to closing, provided such repairs do not exceed another blank, you would put in an amount, um, in total cost. So what this is talking about is that if the lender is going to require something be fixed as part of their loan terms, then this section rides overrides what would be required. Hmm. Um, you can, you know, depending on whether you represent the buyer or seller, you can put a low number, you can put a high number, you could say it's required by buyer, you could say it's required by seller. But in the event this clause is triggered, the parties could terminate. So similar to what's on the uh, the VA exhibit already. Yes, sir. Right. That's right. So uh, hopefully this doesn't come up too often, but for, for some reason, Gar felt it was necessary to add this in the event 
there was an item that was uh, significant enough to be required by the lender. Um, personally, in my practice, I don't see this very often. Um, so I know this is going to come up as a question. And if you need more uh, guidance on that, feel free to reach out. Very good. Thank you, Christian. The next one that I saw is a, is a helpful change is on the all cash sale exhibit. Now, last year, they also made a big change to this form. And what they said was in dealing with the unilateral extension in the event you're getting a mortgage. So if you remember last year's 2018, they had two check boxes where you can state whether you're getting a loan or not, whether you're reserving that right. And then the next one is whether you are entitled to a unilateral extension. What they've done now is they've combined that. And so if you are reserving the right to get a loan, you automatically get the extension. Hmm. It just simplifies it because if you're getting a loan, you probably should have the right to the extension anyways. Um, and then the last one, uh, closing attorney acting as holder of earnest money exhibit. Um, what they've done is they've required that all earnest money to a closing attorney be wired. Now, luckily, your agents are with Atlantic Communities. Atlantic Communities um, will hold earnest money. And so that's what I would recommend. Uh, in my practice, although we will hold it free of charge, um, we're just not as adept at doing it as your broker would be. Um, so I recommend you always use Atlantic Communities, even if, you know, if, especially if the other side will not hold it. Um, but in the event you need us to hold it, we will. It just will be required to be wired in. Okay. Very good. There are several other changes. A lot of it is grammatical and changes to, um, you know, little clarifying points. But these are the big seven items. And, and if anyone needs any further help on this, um, you feel free to reach out to me or attend any of the classes that Camel Brandon is hosting throughout the city of Atlanta. How can we find a schedule of those classes? You can reach out to any of our offices. Um, you can call my office in East Cobb at 770-321-0222. And anybody should be able to point you to the dates that we have throughout January. Okay. And most of these times, these classes are CE. So you want to check on that. If you're in need of CE credit, this would be a good class to attend. Christian is a great uh, teacher. So Christian, thank you very much. Thanks, Sean. That's a lot to hear. That's a lot to take in all at one time. We're going to, as a matter of fact, if you look just below this podcast, there'll be a link where you can download the form that we have yep. uh, that includes these, as we, uh, what do you call them, the Super 7, the Big 7, <laughs> the big changes for this year. Very thank good. you so much, and thank you all for listening to another podcast here on AtlanticCommunities.net. Mm-hmm.